You're listening to The Other End of the Reading Rope, the podcast for busy teachers who want practical strategies for language comprehension and writing that will engage your students and save your sanity. I'm your host, Leslie Lawson, a former reading specialist and coach. Let's get on to the show. We're busy people! Hey, hey, everybody. I'm back again to dive into a new series of podcasts. And in this series of podcasts, we are going to be looking at the role that executive functioning plays in comprehension. So you may wonder why I'm talking about that role. And um, there's several different reasons why it has popped into my head as of late. For one, Um, We have done such a good job recently of teaching reading the right way um, that it is becoming more and more crystal clear that um, when you teach explicit phonics, when you teach um, comprehension, language comprehension the right way with thematic instruction with vocabulary when you teach phonological awareness you are teaching your kids um, the right way and the kids are coming away reading so much better than they've ever come before and yet and yet and yet and yet there is still a population of students who are struggling. And these are not the kids who have phonological um, issues. These are not the kids who are not, um, who are struggling with phonics problems, uh, phonics um, patterns. These kids can read, these kids can decode, they can sort of spell, they can understand to a degree, but they can't focus. They are so easily distracted by everything that happens in the room, by things going on at home, by um, noises, sounds that they hear. And I kept saying to myself, where is this on the reading rope? Because there are kids who are getting amazing instruction and still struggling on reading assessments. And I was curious, why? Why is this? And the more I've been digging into research, the one thing that keeps coming back, and I've heard it now from the Virginia Department of Education, I have heard it from um, the United States Department of Education, and I've also heard it from Nell Duke, It's this idea of self-regulation and executive functioning skills that truly is your bridge between the knowledge you've been taught and the application. And so I get on a soapbox a little bit about how our children are missing um, parts of their executive functioning um, skills due to the fact that they are doing too much technology. And while too much technology can build other parts of your brain, there are some things that can only be developed without technology. And some of these parts of the brain that um, 
honestly, technology is kind of creating a gap for is this whole idea of self-regulation. Um, our kids, and quite frankly, a lot of our parents want um, quick fixes. They want quick um, quick ideas. They want things to come quickly. And they really are struggling with the whole um, process of reading in the upper grades because they can't self-regulate. So this is not just my thinking. <laughs> um, I know that there are friends of mine who have heard me say this for years and they've all said, yeah, Leslie, that's just your opinion. But there, is there anything that backs that up? And I kept saying, mm, maybe not yet, but it's coming. And, um, you know, now I'm finding research that does back this up. And I think this is just the beginning phase of hearing how executive functioning can interfere with your comprehension. Now, before I go on to share um, the research and before I go on to share ways that we can combat this, I also want to put into um, the universe here that there's a difference between children who are born with executive functioning skills and children who have developed a weakness in executive functioning. And I say that because I'm a parent of a child who was born with executive functioning issues that got worse the more he used technology. But they're still there. Even as an adult, he still struggles with it. And he's not doing technology as much as he used to um, in the days when he was younger. But there's other kids that perhaps if they had played with toys in their house or played outside more or rolled down the hill or played games or even been allowed to fail as a child um, in board games that they were playing and had to learn some of these life lessons may be able to self-regulate. Um, unfortunately, they have missed a lot of these experiences due to the shiny, um, the shininess of technology. And, you know, I'm not dissing any parent who uses it because like I said, I'm a parent. Both my boys definitely had their share of technology. I was just, um, I was just lucky because the technology that my sons had was technology I could take away from them because it was video systems or gaming systems. Um, it was not a phone that was on their person or on my person 24 seven. And I, I feel, um, I feel very sorry almost for parents these days because that's a temptation that I struggle with myself. Um, I struggle with putting my phone down. And I know as a parent, I would have struggled parenting that as well. So I just want you to hear, just to hear me say that I'm not faulting you for over, um, over relying on technology. I just want you to know as a parent now that there, there are some definite research that is coming out about how it has affected negatively our kids. I know there's also research that shows how it has affected them positively, but in the regards to reading, um, 
there's definitely a negative side and we can combat that and that's the good news <laughs> but we just need to know how to start and where to start so i'm going to start by um, going through some of the research here um, Nell Duke has a wonderful article that was published recently, um, and I will link it to my show notes for you to read. And in it, she talks about the reading rope and how, you know, the word recognition part is extremely important and the language comprehension is extremely important. This is nothing new. But she adds a third layer, and in this third layer, she points out how active self-regulation is also a piece that leads to becoming a skilled reader. And so um, students within that area of active self-regulation, we have this idea of motivation, engagement, executive functioning skills, strategy use, and all four of those different areas if you are, if your student is regulated in those areas, that helps to bridge um, the word recognition and the language comprehension and helps to apply it to your word fluency, to your reading fluency, to your print concepts. It helps to apply it to vocabulary when you're reading a new text and breaking those words down by you know, graphophonological skills, as well as morpho morphological um, awareness. All of those things go together. Um, and, and if you've talked to anybody who, who teaches in the lower grades, they will tell you that the kids can read really well in isolation. It's the application part um, that is challenging. And, and that's what this is talking about here, is that active self-regulation to bridge all of those skills in isolation to moving them together to read a new text. So taking that whole idea of active self-regulation, I am going to focus mostly on executive functioning skills. And executive functioning skills are those mental skills that we use to manage our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors so that we can achieve goals. And this is really self-regulation. Our students also have difficulty using their mental skills to manage their thoughts, feelings, and behaviors for behavioral self-regulation, um, but also for enabling the management of reading processes because you have to kind of manage all of that within your brain. Um, and so what can we do about this? Well, there are first things you need to know is what executive functions are we talking about? What executive functions do successful readers have? Um, and we can break those down from the work of both Nell Duke, but also Kelly Cartwright, um, who's written several books on um, executive functioning. Kelly Cartwright also is a Virginia educator who works at the at Christopher Newport University. Go captains. Um, and in here she talks, they have kind of focused on these skills of executive function, and that would be planning and organizing, working memory, cognitive flexibility, inhibition, and even social understanding. 
there's a lot of kids who have difficulty with social understanding with behaviors, um, autism in particular, and that also can affect what they're reading and comprehending because if they have a difficulty understanding how social networks work um, in person, they may have a hard time understanding what's happening in the story because they don't have that background in social um, cues and social skills. So let's break these down. So let's start with planning and goal-directed reading. So students who have trouble with this, um, they have trouble searching for information in the text. They might also have trouble with monitoring themselves. So if you've ever read with a kid and they read the whole thing through fluently and then you say, what do the characters say? And they can't answer you, that's because they're, they're not monitoring what they're reading. They're not monitoring their understanding. Searching for information in text. Gosh, I just had a conversation with fifth graders today about how important it is to go back and find that information in the text and highlight it and remember it or add it to notes so that you know where that information is in the text. And children who have difficulty with self-regulation are often the ones who struggle with going back and searching for it in the text. Organization. Here's how organization can look in an ADHD child. Um, so my son, and I'm gonna use a lot of my son's stories because I live with him, right? So when he was a child, he would often come home from school and he would throw his backpack down on the floor, even though he was supposed to hang it up. He would throw it on the floor and then he'd go into the bathroom and then he'd come out of the bathroom and he'd go back to get his backpack to hang it up. But but on the way to going back to hang up his backpack, oop, all of a sudden he's seen a toy that's on the floor and he's thinking to himself, why is that toy there? That's not supposed to be there. So he reaches to pick it up and then he goes to put it in his room. But when he goes into his room, he sees his clothes on the ground and he thinks, oh, there's the shirt I wanted to wear today. You see what I'm talking about? Organization, right? The same thing happens when they're reading. Story organization is confusing. Um, they often will get confused with what they are reading and the order that things come in. What came first? What comes next? Usually they can do beginning and ending, but it's all those little things in between. Um, we were talking about that today with fourth grade teachers about how sequencing um, becomes such a difficult skill for them. Um, and it's because they aren't really focusing in on what's happening in the story. And instead, they're just kind of reading it um, and they're not really taking it all in, right? Those are kids with executive functioning. That is a big difficulty for them. Same would be true for in a nonfiction text, understanding story st structure as in like, is this written in a cause and effect? Is this written in, um, in, in a compare and contrast? Is this a problem or solution? Those things are very hard for children with executive functioning issues. Another thing that they struggle with is um, conjunctions and connections. So when you are connecting a sentence and you use different conjunctions, they may not know why those conjunctions are there. They may not understand that the because in the sentence is to tell you why this something happened, 
right? That's difficult for them. Um, just like story structure and story sequencing is difficult, word order or syntax can also get confused in their brain. Um, I know sometimes when I read and I go too fast, I might substitute words or just say words out of order. Kids do that too, and it changes the meaning for them. And then, of course, morphology. So, um, you know, are they able to organize all the different parts inside that word? Do they understand that the un means not or to undo, right? Not do. Um, or again, you know, do they understand what those word parts are? So organization um, really, I think, is probably at the gist of a lot of our students with executive functioning issues with comprehension. Um, and again, don't worry, we're going to talk about what to do with these kids at a later time. Another executive functioning issue that students have is cognitive flexibility. Um, and so for that, that just means like coordinating the sounds and the spellings um, when they are reading. So can they shift among decoding and meaning of the word? Do they know the multiple meanings of word? And do they understand when, um, you know, a word is being used in a different meaning within a story? Can they flexibly shift them around? Um, or are they reading everything so literally that they mistake the meaning of the word? Cognitive flexibility, that's one of those things that you notice a lot with dyslexia, um, students with dyslexia, because they um, definitely are struggling with um, the sounds and the order of things. Inhibition, oh boy, do I see this a lot. Um, and this is just kids being able to suppress distraction around them. So I was working with a kid today and I took him in the hallway and I sat and I talked with him. I said, what's going on? And he's like, I had a bad weekend. I was with my dad and we fought the whole weekend and now I don't think he loves me. So I go, okay, I understand that. So why are you growling in class? And he goes, I'm trying to get so-and-so to laugh at me. And I said, okay, so why, why are we doing that? Well, because if he laughs at me, then I know he likes me. And he's my friend. Okay. So how does this relate to your dad? Well, my dad, I probably should have laughed with my dad this week. And then, then I would have left and I would have felt better. Ah, now everything's coming together, right? So this same kid cannot think about the story that we were reading, what gets into how this gets in my lunchbox, because... He's still processing what went on over the weekend and he can't, he can't put those distracting thoughts out of his head. Um, and so in the classroom, that means they're reading the text without really internalizing what they're reading or they're ignoring relevant details in the, in the text and they just focus on parts that they find are relevant that doesn't always necessarily mean that's the most important part of the story. Working memory. Working memory is a huge one for children with learning disabilities, um, but it's also a big thing with executive functioning. And a lot of our kids who get special education services more than a 504, they actually have an IEP because of their um, 
disability, it's usually because of working memory. So working memory just means holding on to parts of the text um, in the short term before it goes to the long term. So if they're reading, if they are reading a sentence, can they infer the word meaning from the context or are they just reading it? Um, can they make inferences while listening and reading? Can they resolve, you know, the different, you know, what the pronouns are? Do they know who the pronouns connect back to? Have they forgotten that he is talking about Marty and not about Johnny? You know, can they tell those things? So working memory is really important for understanding what's in the story. So all of those parts go together. And like I said, they're symptoms of ADHD, but they're also symptoms of what our children who have had too much technology are also experiencing. Um, because if you think about going back to a video game, and when I say too much technology, I mean kids who are on YouTube or video games more than the allocated an hour a day that the um, medical association recommends, right? I'm not talking about limited use. I'm talking about overuse. I'm talking about those kids who come in and fall asleep in your classroom because they played video games until three o'clock in the morning, right? Those are the kids I'm talking about. So if you think about those kids, um, they often can't organize their thoughts because they can't use that inhibition to kind of suppress those distracting things uh, whether it's replaying the video in their brain or if it's the fact that they are struggling with um, not enough sleep um, and many other things like that. So what we're going to talk about next in today's episode, and it'll be very short, is can we, can we build those executive functions, or are they completely lost? And the good news is, yes, yes, we can. We can teach them. Um, and so just knowing that teaching executive functioning requires we talk about our thinking in ways that may be unfamiliar to us. This is something that think-alouds have become very commonplace in education these days. But sometimes I think think alouds are done to the detriment of others. Hear me out when I say this. Think alouds are great for small groups, for those kids who really need you to model thinking aloud. Thinking aloud for a whole group, I find does the opposite of helping because I start to see children tune that out. Um, in my role as a reading specialist now, I do more watching and observing of teachers than I do actually teaching, but I observe really good teachers modeling think-alouds and most of the children are tuning it out. I think we think about think-alouds in a different way and we think about those kids with executive functioning and we think aloud with them in small group. It's just my opinion, but I think that is worth a shot, especially when you think about reading a story 
and retelling. And retelling is a perfect way to help build that sequencing. And how can you do that? Well, you do that through think alouds. Um, and you can do that in a small group and have the kids then share their think aloud with you as well. In our next episode, I'm going to share with you some resources that I have found from various different sources that will build these six different executive functioning skills through games. And we're talking games that aren't being played in the home very much anymore. We're talking about how checkers can help with organization and planning. We're talking about how UNO can help with cognitive flexibility. These games um, that were once a staple in our 80s and 90s and even early 2000 households are being replaced with video games and are taking away from building these executive functioning skills. And it's a simple thing you can add into your school day and you can recommend to parents. And I'm even going to have um, a sheet that you can send home to parents sharing why and where you can use these skills. So stay tuned. That will be out next Sunday. Um, and I look forward to sharing that with you as well as a resource for preschool kids um, because you can also start way before they get to school. And if you're a mom at home and you have a toddler and you want to avoid this, um, I can share with you some resources that will help in that way too. All right. Well, I want to thank you for listening and I hope that this gets you excited about why some of our kids are struggling. And it also gets you excited that we can do something about it um, in our classrooms. And it's not, it's not what you think it is. It's actually completely different, but that's a good thing. Thanks for listening. And I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to today's chat. Follow me on TPT or Instagram for more tips and resources at the other end of the reading rope. See you next week. Now go home.